general shit that you shouldn't be letting your kids intake. Be advised, viewer discretion is recommended. Proceed at your own risk. You've been warned.
if it's Thursday, it's season seven, motherfuckers. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of appropriate ages to the premiere episode debuting season seven of the I'm No Joe podcast, the show where every armchair quarterback can feel like Eddie Bravo. Today, as like most days, we have got a glorious panel ready to get into all sorts of shit talking and shenaniganry with you, getting into all of your punchy kicky goodness lining up for this particular weekend. But before we get into that, first and foremost, this being the debut episode for season seven, we're making a couple of changes around here. So let's talk about it real quick. But before we get into the changes, first and foremost, how the fuck are you fine gentlemen doing this evening? Doing pretty fucking good. I hope all you brothers are doing the fucking same. Excited for fucking Saturday. Hell yeah. At least one fight anyways. Maybe not the whole thing. <laughs> right. I think coffee's just about got mixed over there. <laughs> Let her fucking rip, Tater Chip. I'm ready. Let's talk shit and move on. All I can do is shaky shaky now. All right, good deal. <laughs> Last minute thing. Sorry, I, I would have done this earlier today, but I had to pack for camping this weekend, and you know, yeah, so you're good. You're good. Mixing it up a little later. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was just a little too late. Should have been done before we started all this, but yeah, it is what it is. We're all good. Doggo. So, first and foremost, for season seven, uh, we are going to do our goddamnedest. To make absolutely sure that what we did last weekend continues on, we're going to bring back the What Did I Say show recaps on Sunday evenings. So that will give us a little more time here on the regular shows to give you guys a little more entertainment on Thursday evenings. But more than that, we've got a couple of interesting new things we're going to throw in the mix here. A couple of things we're going to switch around, add in, subtract, snip, tuck, you know, cut it out, scissor maybe... It'll get crazy we'll get there eventually though uh but what that does mean is that we don't need to recap the news right off the or the uh, the recap right off the bat we can start right into the news and the things that are relevant but before we even get to that uh, i have been asked by several folks recently several times where they can find different things associated with the show. And previously, I had waited until the end of the show to give all of the links and all of the good places that you can find us and all of that whatnot. And then I have come to realize that as soon as we start our outros, people tune the fuck out or just end the video. So we're going to start doing that shit right up front. So if you enjoy what we get up to here and the I'm No Joe podcast, you can find us on any of the socials. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, and those are the only two really that matter. Um, we are also in video format every Thursday evening that's relevant, 9.30-ish Central Time, youtube.com slash I'm No Joe. Now, if you cannot make it live, I understand you can either catch the replay, which we do leave up on YouTube, or the week after we go live on YouTube over on anchor.fm slash I'm no Joe, the all audio version of the podcast goes live for your podcast consumption platform of choice. It is fucking everywhere. Google, Apple, Stitcher, Speaker, you fucking name it. It's there. Get it however you want it. Use this for background noise. Use this for fucking music. I don't really care. It's there. Do what you will with it. 
that being said, if you would like to help contribute to the I'm No Joe show's delinquency, get your name as a thank you on the end of every single episode we do, as you'll see at the end tonight. Get access to behind the scenes, unaired, and literally unairable content things that we just legally cannot show to the public. We have to keep behind a paywall for as little of a, excuse me, for as little as a dollar a month. Patreon.com slash I'm no Joe helps us do what we do and gives you a little something in return. That being said, let's dive into some news and get into some punchy, kicky fuckery. So we have got a couple of interesting things. We have got a bunch of news fight wise, but we have got some non fight news here. Um, I did say we are bringing back the, what did I say show? And, uh, Brother Christian here was there with me this last weekend. We gave you guys a nice recap of everything cracked down Saturday, but there is a couple of things here that I do have to carry over to tonight's show to give you guys info about just because they are relevant and they are not necessarily only recaps. First and foremost, the most important one, in my opinion, Corey McKenna Saturday night became the first woman in UFC history to secure a submission via von flu choke and it needs to be fucking talked about more than it is that was a fucking spectacular performance a beautiful execution and literal fucking history that is sliding under the fucking rug and there's no goddamn reason for it props to Corey fucking mckenna that was awesome fuck yes and fuck dana white for not giving her 50k for that because you know what look there was other submissions on the card that were slick Yes, I will give it that. But nothing stood up to the first woman to ever land Von Flucho. I said it like in our little group chat before they even got to the fucking cage interview because I fucking knew. I'm like, this is a historic moment in the UFC. First Von, Ch- float, Von Flucho ever landed or the OSP choke, if you will. Um, She's the first woman to ever land it. Fucking amazing. Way, way more credit. That little Scottish broad is got something to prove and being the shortest girl in the division she showed up guess what right that reach that i talked about last week didn't mean a goddamn thing right yeah and that's the that's the biggest part of it not only did she pull off the first ladies von flu choke submission in the ufc she did it under a five inch height disadvantage and a 10 inch reach disadvantage When you're good, you're good. <laughs> so absolute fucking props to Corey McKenna for that. Um, the next one I need to talk about real quick that kind of came from last week. Um, last weekend, Ariane Lipsky, after the show, missed weight by two fucking pounds and then subsequently had to be hospitalized because of it, that it was that fucking rough on her. And as a reward, they rebooked their fucking fight for this week. So... We will see Ariane Lipsky and Priscilla Cachuera this week after her missing weight and getting hospitalized last week. I don't understand how, but UFC going to UFC. Um, the bigger one, biggest, I guess I should say, of the, uh, the, the pieces from last week that are carrying over, uh, we actually didn't find out about until after we had gone off of the air last week. Um, originally... It looked like uh, Josh Quinlan. It's Josh, right? It is Josh, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Josh Quinlan and uh, Jason Witt 
were going to get their fight uh, completely scratched. Um, then there was word that it wasn't going to be scratched. Instead, it was going to get moved to this week. Then we got word that it might get moved to this week, but it might not because Josh Quinlan popped hot for an M3 metabolite. A, uh, I actually wrote it down this time to make sure I got it correct. DHCMT pseudotestosterone M3 metabolite in a quote unquote, I say for those listening, pulse situation, very reminiscent of one John fucking Jones. Um, this is actually exactly what happened to him the last time he was in trouble, which actually wasn't that fucking long ago in his contender series debut. After that fight, it turns out he quote unquote pulsed again, where they had to pull him aside, pull him out, potentially suspend him. Turns out it was the M3 metabolite, which isn't the steroid itself, but what it does indicate, regardless of how fucking clean you are now, is that at some point in your past, you took steroids now you may not be taking them currently but the only way for that m3 metabolite to become present in your system is at some point you took fucking steroids so i believe the latest report was that the california athletic commission was going to go ahead and let him fight because he was under that john jones infamous picogram fucking test level um, but they could not physically get him in the cage last weekend, even if they wanted to, because any metabolite substance um, test result like that, Nevada says, no, fuck you. And they revoke your license for six months right out the gate. So uh, Josh Quinlan, come hell or high water, can't fight in Vegas again for the rest of the fucking year, regardless of how this weekend turns out. But I believe the California commission is going to let him fight while it's still being investigated either way. I hope he gets knocked the fuck out next time he steps in the cage because fuck a cheater. <sighs> now, speaking of shit that has been moved around time and time again, um, we did get confirmation this week. Um, Aspen Lad is making the turn around the bend, as it were, uh, starting to feel better. Didn't really have a lot of terrible symptoms with her tickets to the Backstreet Boys reunion when she did come down with it. So they are going to go ahead and put pen back to paper. They have officially rebooked the Sarah McMahon and Aspen Lad fight again for UFC Vegas 60, September 17th. So that is back on the books. Um, it's a very interesting fight, really. I'm curious to see how it plays out. It's not the biggest one in the world, but it could have interesting implications either way. Um, speaking of not the biggest fight in the world, but could have some interesting implications either way, we got official word that as of the October 1st card, which as of now is not confirmed where it's going to be yet, um, Cody Garbrandt versus Ronnie Yaya has officially been put back pen to paper for some fucking reason. Again, that's, an, again, another one. It's not the greatest fight in the world, and I'm not 100% certain why they're so fucking set in stone to make the fight, but it has potential to be pretty fucking interesting, so we'll watch it for damn sure. Um, Bellator 286. October 1st got a pair of very interesting fights added to it this week. Aaron Pico taking on Jeremy Kennedy, which is going to be a great fucking matchup to see Pico finally get back on his shtick, which would be nice. And then the big one, the one that I think is really the most divisionally impactful, maybe organizationally most impactful fight they have made in a hot fucking minute, in my opinion. Enrique Barzola 
versus Juan Archuleta. This is quite literally a potential passing of the guard moment. Enrique, since he left the UFC, I swear to fucking God, has become a completely different fucking fighter. He is just on fire and Bellator like he never ever was in the UFC and honestly I hope he doesn't come back I hope he stays over there and just fucking wrecks shop and shows Dana what an idiot he was to fucking let him go because he's kicking ass and taking names right now and the list is just getting longer if Juan Archuleta gets stacked into that fucking checklist the future's real bright for Enrique over in Bellator and I'm fucking glad to see it because he's a hell of a fucking fighter so good on him for damn sure Um, do, 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 do. Let's see, and then we've got back over on the UFC side of the house here, uh, the October 15th card again, another one that's to be determined, I say in air quotes, because they haven't announced where the fuck it's going to be yet, because they don't even know yet, I don't think. Um, probably one of the biggest non title fights they can make in this division Askar Askarov versus Brandon Roy Val. If that fight doesn't get your dick moving, stop watching this fucking show right now because you're in the wrong goddamn place. That fucking division is hopping, and that is very likely the next contender up for the fucking title in that division, whoever comes out of that one. That's a fucking great matchup, and I can't fucking wait to see it. Um, not that they fucking needed it, obviously, but... Abu Dhabi has another fucking fight that has been added to it this week. Uh, UFC 280 cracking down over in Dubai, October 22nd. Now will also feature Vulcan Ozdemir versus Nikita Krylov. That's a fucking spectacular fight that I kind of feel like is going to get overshadowed on that fucking card. But still, nonetheless, great fucking fight, in my opinion. Um, and then we got a pair of announcements here for UFC 281 going down November 12th from Madison Square Garden. Uh, one of them we kind of had an idea about. One of them we didn't. But either way, they're both very interesting. Uh, the first one, the meatball is getting back at it. She's trying to take a bite out of the Big Apple. In my opinion, one of her most legitimate tests yet taking on Aaron Blanchfield in the Big Apple. That's going to be a great fucking fight, potentially. Um, very curious to see if they add another fight, maybe two, onto that one, since we know how that generally works as a package deal. Um, we'll see in the next week or two how that shakes loose. But the other one that they announced for Madison, excuse me, <clears throat> we do this live. The other one, that they've announced for Madison Square Garden is the one that we've been waiting for. We all knew it was coming. It was just a matter of when. Well, they put pen to fucking paper, and now we've got a date officially November 12th, UFC 281. Israel, the last style bender, Adesanya, will take on Alex the Poten. How the fuck do you say his last name? Pere it's Pereira, right? Not, it's not Pereira. It's Pereira. I think he, he went on a tangent about it. Alex Pereira. Yeah. Uh, middleweight straps up for grabs. I, I I don't even know what to say about that one yet, but I promise you as we get closer to it, we'll get more into that one. That's... Yeah. Good announcement, but 
there's a lot to unpack. So <laughs> we'll circle back to that one as we get closer, I promise you. Um, the following weekend, though, November 18th, uh, Bellator has officially added to their 280, I think it's 289 is what they're calling it now. It's still an untitled card as well with an undetermined location. Um, the, <laughs> I don't want to say undeserving, I'll say lesser deserving of the Pitbull brothers currently holding on to belts in the Bellator realm, the lightweight strap, Patricky is now officially taking on one of the quickest title contention reigns in Bellator history, the cousin himself, Usman Nurmagomedov, spouting a 4-0 record, none of those four being in the top five of that division. Yet, here we go. This is how it starts. That last name has carried him leaps and bounds through there. Granted, I'm not trying to take anything away from him. He's got four first-round finishes. But, much like his cousin, when you look at the actual names and not just the numbers, the resume gets a little more fucking suspect. So next generation is just cutting a couple of those extra cans off the line that the elder cousin went through. And we're seeing, in my opinion, a lather rinse repeat over on the Bellator side of things. What we saw in the UFC in the same fucking division, even it's going to be interesting to see how that one shakes loose. Uh December 3rd, back on the UFC side of things here, Matthias Nicolau stepping back in, taking on Matt Schnell. That is going to be one of the fucking great fights of December, in my opinion, potentially. Um, but then we've got a couple here, uh, not necessarily fight announcements, but fight news worth talking about nonetheless. Uh, we got confirmation this week that as of January 23rd, 2023, UFC Fight Pass Brazil officially launches as the official streaming service of the UFC in Brazil, thanks to a newly reached deal. The other half of that deal being January 21st of 2023, UFC 283 will be taking place in none other than Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. The UFC is officially going back once they've got this deal worked out. Everybody wins start of the new year. It's been a hot minute since the UFC been down to Brazil, so I, I, I definitely think it's about time, and there are plenty of fighters on the roster that can make that a fucking awesome card, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot I put this in the notes. Um, so, <laughs> so we got word this week that uh, in his downtime waiting for the court case to shake loose, uh, Colby Covington has been keeping himself a little busy down there. Uh, this last weekend in Florida, he won a fucking World Series of Poker acknowledged poker tournaments, uh, despite having his quote unquote brain damage, I say for those of you who are listening in air quotes. Uh, so despite Colby supposedly not being able to focus and having damage to his brain that is going to keep him from being able to fight, he could still somehow manage to comprehend poker at a World Series level and, and win multiple tournaments over the last couple of weeks, apparently. little fucking strange, but, you know, Colby going to Colby. Um, we got word this week 
unfortunately, the September 3rd UFC Paris card has lost one of its more interesting fights in one of the more interesting ways that a fight can be lost, in my opinion. Um, unfortunately, Christos Diagos had to pull out of the fight due to injury and not just any injury. He completely severed the tendon in his pinky as he was reaching in to clean a grill, he said, a broken piece of porcelain sliced right through his fucking hand and cut all the way down. They had to actually go in and operate. He showed the the scar and all the stitches running all the way along the back and meat of his hand where they had to go in and reattach the fucking tendons. Ouch. So, yeah, Christos, unfortunately, is going to be on the sidelines for a little bit, it seems, and not sadly making it to Paris uh, I'm not 100% certain how serious we're really supposed to take this next one but it, it is a thing it is in the punchy kicky world so I'm going to talk about it even if it's just real quick to laugh about it here um, we got word this week that ink has been officially put to paper and as of September 25th Chris Cyborg will be making her professional boxing debut against one Simone Silva, who touts a braggadocious record of 17 and 21 as a pro boxer. <coughs> this, while literally out the other side of her mouth, Cyborg is calling for the Kayla Harrison fight, saying that the PFL has not reached out to her one time to try and actually make that fight a reality, and calling Kayla scared of the actual fight, while Kayla is literally offering every kind of WWE-esque ultimatum a fighter could possibly get to try and get Cyborg to agree to their fight. So I'm, I'm not really sure if this is an attempt to try and like hype up the Kayla, the potential Kayla fight or a tactic to try and run away from the Kayla fight. If cyborgs just really that fucking out of it, that this all seems like a good fucking plan to her. I it's, it's fucking weird is what I'm saying. Okay. It's weird. Um, we got word this week. We actually got a video, a couple of videos, um, one that's been run through by several of the major media outlets from TKZ, the zombie himself. Uh, South Korea, like a lot of parts of the world right now, are either burning or sinking. Uh, they're either swamped with fucking wildfires or getting drowned in massive floods. Korea, unfortunately, is on the latter side. They have got historic record flooding taking place, and Zombie posted a series of videos where they've got water up to your knees running right through the fucking gym. His house has water almost up to his hip in it. It's the whole fucking area over there is just under fucking water right now, so you can't help but fucking feel for him, man. As somebody who's been through floods before, it's not fucking fun, man, so... That fucking sucks to see because that's going to really put a fucking damper on everything coming out of South Korea, unfortunately, combat wise. Um, and sadly, that's one of those situations where there's not even really a whole lot that anybody can do because the rain, unfortunately, isn't scheduled to slow down or lighten up for like another week or so. Like they're still in the midst of the shit. So 
this is one of those situations I'm not going to tell you your fucking thoughts and prayers because that's fucking dumb as shit. But I will say, keep these people in your mind because when this shit's over, they may need some help. And even if you've just got a little to offer, a little help goes a long way when you're in a situation like that. So it's something worth talking about, in my opinion. Uh, speaking of something worth talking about, in my opinion, interesting pair of news announcements here this week about one ex-UFC title challenger, Tyla Santos, the first of which we found out she has decided against the better judgment of most of her corner and medical professionals that she is going to refuse the surgery that she most likely would benefit very greatly from after the fight with Valentina Shevchenko to fix the corner of her orbital bone where she got fucking smashed from that head strike and then subsequent Valentina ass whipping fucking shots. Um, but as if that wasn't enough example of her clear fucking intelligence, we got word this week from her ex manager and her ex coach that she owes her former training team literally right up until the title a uh, challenge she just had quite a bit of money and has not paid them in nearly a year. So this becomes one of those situations where a, if the UFC even continues to book you after some shit like this coming out, you're going to have some interesting fucking roads to walk up to get there. But B, this might not make you a lot of fucking friends. And in a world like this, in a world as small as women's MMA, it definitely benefits you to have friends. Isolating yourself by stupid shit like this isn't going to win you any goddamn favors. So we'll see how it shakes loose. But I think this might be the end, at least for a minute, of what we see from Tyler Santos. Um, then we got a rare story. And I don't mean like happens once in a while. I mean, I think I've heard of this happening twice in 30 years rare. Um, Dana White did the right thing and turned down a metric fuck ton of money despite it. Uh, apparently up until a week ago, there were in the works a deal to start broadcasting UFC on Hulu. And then Dana White found out that Hulu is airing a documentary unauthorized about the life and times of Mike Tyson, very similar allegedly to the 30 for 30 that's in the process of being made about Chris Weidman. Only in this situation, Hulu did not ask Mike Tyson did not offer to compensate Mike Tyson, did not involve Mike Tyson in any way, and even allegedly, I say allegedly because we haven't got confirmation, allegedly lied to the American Boxing Commission in order to get records access and told them that this was an authorized Mike Tyson documentary. So upon hearing all of this and then talking to Mike Tyson himself, and finding out his stance on it, Dana White quite simply said, go fuck yourself, Hulu. Shut the deal down immediately and said, we'll never even fucking consider working it in the future. This deal is done. This deal is dead. The UFC will never air on Hulu. And for once, I got to tip my fucking cap to Dana. 
We don't get to do it very often, but God damn it, that's the right fucking thing to do. It's Iron Mike Tyson. You know damn well you're going to make a fucking metric ton of money off of that documentary to begin with. Why would you try and stiff him on his own life story? That's some scumbag bullshit. So good on Dana for a change. I don't expect it to be a trend. I don't expect this to be his decision-making process or logic going forward. But like I said, when the rare event happens, good on you. So my my thing that I want to bring into this is, uh, is there going to be a possibility that after the contract with ESPN is up, are they going to go somewhere else? Because... ESPN ESPN is primary ownership by the Disney company and so is Hulu is completely owned by Disney. So are is are they going to be like, "Hey, you don't want to work with us, so we're not going to work with you anymore." Go back to fucking Fox. I no, I think it, I think this was one of those situations where they were trying to expand it since Hulu was under the same Disney um umbrella, as it were, and still a quote-unquote partner with ESPN+, Plus, where they were trying to multi-stream broadcast, trying literally, because you can also catch replays of past UFC events on Amazon Prime as well. So I think this is one of those situations where they were trying to, as well as having it on ESPN+, Plus, be able to push it on Hulu as well and have that much more access and then quote-unquote fight the pirates. And instead, Hulu shot themselves in the foot, which in turn is going to shoot that documentary in the fucking foot and then going to bring the uppers at Hulu a whole lot of scrutiny from all of the surrounding uppers in the Disney world when they find out what the fuck did you idiots just do? Look at all the money you just cost us. Yeah, that, 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 was, my, that, was, that was my only thing because I was thinking about it whenever the news came out about the Hulu thing that, that, that over the last couple of weeks, um, all of its owned by Disney. Is this going to be a problem for the UFC moving forward and trying to sign another contract with ESPN to continue right. ESPN plus? Well, I, I think ESPN likes that money too much to, to yeah. fuck that one around. You know, the weirdest thing about that is, is why not involve Tyson in to begin with? Because <laughs> guess what? There's like 25 or 27 other documentaries already out there on him. So it's not like it's something fucking new. But if you want a little extra insight that maybe one of those other ones didn't get, fucking call the man. Talk, yeah, ask him. He's very open to talk about it. Yeah. And yeah, you're going to do it just blindsidedly. So you went and illegally got sh- fucking records. You're going to go and watch every other fucking documentary to see what you can pull from it. And then you're going to have a couple of fucking actors who ought to be a fucking shame of themselves going in there and betraying him and his team. <laughs> fucking ridiculous. Look, and to not get any sort of um, not get him any sort of fucking compensation out of it is absolutely ridiculous as well. Being as look, it's not like he's still in prison. If he was still in prison, then he does not have a right to that. Right, yeah, that would change the whole fucking ballgame, I, I agree. But now that he is a free man and served his time and paid his debt to society, guess what? Anything you do with that has him involved in it 
there's some scratch that should be going his fucking way. That's all I'm saying. And good on fucking Dana for saying fuck you. Um, If it burns a bridge at Disney, so fucking be it. Because you know what? Right now, the UFC is bigger than Disney is in this situation. Because guess what? They want to keep this cash cow because it is a cash cow. Fuck yeah, it is. (laughs) But if they're not going to do the right things... They'll walk when they're fucking when their deal time frame is up. It's not like fucking they're gonna have a hard time finding a new place to. <laughs> That's get what I was gonna say. You think they'll have any trouble finding somebody to fucking replace that fucking spot? <laughs> At NBC or CBS, it'd probably be fucking drooling if they threw it in front of I, them because those boys are already old. halfway with ABC already as it is. You think ABC wouldn't be fucking jumping all over themselves well, to try and take over full time? And, and that's the weird thing is ABC falls under Disney still though. Yeah. So well, that's why that's they say, well, fuck it. We'll go to NBC, CBS. Yeah, no, they could. They make could those too. guys eat fucking, eat their goddamn shorts, man. Because at that point, that's all they could do. Who knows? Maybe it'll get some heads rolled over there at Hulu. And maybe they'll just pull the documentary. I highly doubt it. But, you know. I I, I think we're in a, to, to make an awkward comparison, I think this is going to be their Batgirl. I think even if they put all this time and effort into it and shelve it, it's not going to make people forget that they just dumped a fuck ton of money and made a bad call publicly. <laughs> like, I, I honestly, I, I hope they do. I hope they decide that, you know what, this was the dumbest thing we ever could have done. This idiot who greenlighted this is getting shit canned. We're fucking shutting this whole documentary shit down. We apologize publicly and fucking move on and go right. I don't think that's going to happen, though. So maybe this is the UFC's way to bring back Spike TV. <laughs> I, mean, I wouldn't be mad at it. They, they could call it UFC TV at this point. I bet you, you, know, I bet you they could get all that old equipment real cheap. Though, uh, trying to, you know, like nix the, the documentary because it's not really a documentary from what I've heard. That's the other thing that I feel like is huge disrespect to Tyson that trying to like do the Hollywood thing and remake his entire life story to try to portray that the people that helped paid the way in his life, like helped him in boxing, took advantage of him and shit. He was just some poor black kid, you know, that grew up in a tough city and people took advantage of him. And that's how he got to the sport because people saw the talent in it. Kind of like what the, the Michael Jackson's dad, and, you know, the Jackson family. That's the kind of story they're trying to portray with this show I've heard on Hulu and Mike Tyson said, he's like, that's not how my fucking life went. I made every goddamn decision I made all, all my fucking own. I lived with yeah. the fucking shit. I've grown from it. He's like, no, no, don't fucking portray me as some sort of bitch that people fucking used. And like, I, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the thing just... I feel like it's the most disrespect and be nice. Like, now you know, people are going to boycott it. Not, nobody's going to watch it after this story coming out. But yep. it'd be no, nice I'm... if they did that Batgirl thing. Just say, fuck it. You, you're not going to fucking pay him some fucking money. Right. Scrap that motherfucker immediately. No, I, I have a feeling that, that you guys are, are absolutely on the right fucking track. That if nothing else, this is going to get some fucking heads at the higher ups on Hulu in some serious fucking hot water. Because being under that fucking Mickey Mouse umbrella, the mouse don't like it when you fuck with his cash. Ask South Park. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, I, I think somebody's about to get a very stern talking to, if not a fucking envelope and escorted out of the goddamn building for this one. Um, but moving on here, we got word 
straight from the horse's mouth, as it were, this week that Rose Namajunas is in the process of, of getting back into the cage, getting back on track things, but she's looking a different direction now. She is openly talking about possibly going up to 125, but with a caveat. She wants to consider going up to 125, but she also is not willing to fight Valentina Shevchenko unless the UFC comes off their coin purse because Valentina and Rose are friends in real life and have agreed that there's no reason for us to fight. It's just not something that either one of us have a particularly strong interest in. Excuse me, interest in. Well, then we got word this week that Rose is talking about coming up to 125 now, but she's still trying to play that. If you want to make me fight the champ, you're going to have to pay me a lot of money. And I, unfortunately, that's just not how that works. And I, I don't know. I don't know what this. I don't know what this is going to do for the future of Rose Namajunas. But I, I don't know. I, I just don't know. It's it's something that needs to be talked about because if she does move up to one one twenty five, there are absolutely a lot of great potential fights for her up there. But at the same time, what the fuck is the point in moving up to a new division if you're not going to try and get the belt up there? Look, I like exactly where her head's at. By all means, please move up. And if you don't want to fight your friend, don't fight your fucking friend. But don't expect them to bend over backwards when you've got that number one contender spot over there. Say, oh, yeah, sure, we're going to pay you. I mean, look, she's already been the champ twice at 115, which fucking fantastic. However, you're not the champ right now. So calling for that fucking come off your purse shit, I don't know that that's going to happen. However, I do like the idea of those two fighting, friends or not. Right. That would be a hell of a good fight. Now, um, do I think Rose is going to come out on top in that one? Probably not. And that may be why those two as friends like each other so much, because they know the fucking outcome already. So, but still, I... I don't think that there is going to be that possibility of it. To be honest, I think that was a lot of talk for I'm going to stay at 115. Well, and that's honestly, that's kind of what I hope she does. Realistically speaking, she could be the Valentina of the 115 division. I don't know what the fuck happened between her and fucking Carla when they went out there last time, because they both look like absolute fucking shit. Neither one of them have anything to brag about that. But I feel like literally Rose should be able to just shake that out of her fucking head and get back to what we've seen her do and then continue to dominate at 115. Whereas if you're going up to 125, you're going to end up fighting Valentina. If you can do at 125, what you've done at 115, because there ain't nobody taking her off the top of that fucking stack anytime soon. And if you're going up there, that's where you're obviously going to be aiming is the top of the stack. Because otherwise, why the fuck go up there? So it, it's going to be real interesting to see how, how this shakes loose once we finally get her next fight announcement, I think will be the way to tell. If she's going to take her next fight at 25 or if she's going to go back to 115 and just cement her fucking status as the 115 go. We'll see. Um, speaking of we'll see, uh <laughs> Last minute announcement, literally about an hour and a half ago, we got confirmation on these two here. Um, the first one, the PFL's uh, semifinals are taking place over in Wales tomorrow because we talked about it previously that they're traveling for the once the playoffs finish, they're traveling for the finals. Wales is where the semifinals take place this weekend. <laughs> 
they lost two of their fucking fighters because they could not get visas to get into Wales 48 hours out from the fight. PFL gonna PFL. Just when you think they might be able to pull one out. No, no, no. It's still a PFL. Um, but as if that wasn't bad enough, we do have the Bellator 284 card tomorrow night, which we'll talk a little bit more about this afternoon or this evening, rather. Uh, their weigh-ins were today since their fight is tomorrow. They had three fighters miss weight. So I want to make sure I get this correct here because diligence. So Nick Perez <coughs> missed weight by 2.4 pounds and they canceled the fight. Justine Kish missed weight by 3.4 pounds. She's forfeiting 20%. They're still fighting. The one that was very surprising, though, Alimale McFarlane, former champion, weighed in earlier tonight at 129 pounds for a 125-pound fight. They managed to get her. What did they call it? Um, yeah, three pounds over the allotted extra pound limit is what they're calling it. Uh, and this is the first time in Alimale's entire professional career that she has ever missed weight. So very clearly something fucking happened either in her personal life or during this camp in the last couple of days that definitely derailed the whole fucking train. And I don't know, man. I, I just don't know. Um, they are going to go ahead and allow it at a 130-pound catch weight for those two since obviously like can't fucking lose anymore. But that's that's a big weight miss for somebody who's literally never missed weight in their entire fucking professional career before. I'm I'm very curious to find out what the fuck happened there. Um, we did get one. I want to say it's sad, but it's a little bit obtuse. Is a good way to put this, I believe. Uh, Uriah Hall announced via social media this week that he is, quote-unquote, stepping away from MMA. Uh, he thanked the UFC. He thanked his fans. He thanked his coaches and his gym. He thanked Dana White and everyone that has helped him throughout his career, but he never actually said the word retire. He kept saying stepping away from MMA. So I, I get that that Andre Muniz lost stings a little fucking bit but i don't know if he's actually done i think he's just having one of those self-doubt kind of moments and doesn't know how to fucking handle it so what he's doing is quote-unquote stepping away that way if the fire comes back he's got an easy end to to come back and try and pick up where he left off as it were but if he doesn't it, it's kind of an informal retirement so 
either way, Andre Hall has been a, a fucking great addition to the MMA community and the sport as a whole overall. And I will absolutely tip my fucking cap to him for that. Now, on the other side of that is the last piece of news that we've got for today. And it's it's not good and it's not happy, but it's something, again, that it has to be fucking talked about. And even if it's just my little fucking podcast that talks about it, 10 fucking people here, it's so be it. It needs to be fucking talked about. Uh, over the weekend, last weekend, a gentleman by the name of Leandro Lowe, a literal legend, one of the most single accredited jujitsu practitioners on the fucking planet was in a nightclub having a good time with some friends when a drunk asshole walked up to his table and grabbed a fucking bottle and tried to take off with it. Andre's a fucking world-class black belt. So what the fuck do you think he did? He jumped on this fucking drunk idiot, held him down until he calmed the fuck down and then let him go to get the fuck out of there. Unfortunately, the drunk asshole that tried to steal his bottle and he subsequently pinned down was a police officer who had a service revolver tucked into his fucking waistband. When Leandro let him go, he pushed Leandro, pulled the gun out of his waistband, put it to Leandro's forehead, and pulled the fucking trigger. And then ran away like a bitch. Leandro died shortly after when they got him to the hospital because he took a fucking bullet point blank to the forehead from a fucking coward. I don't know if you can put a silver lining on a story like that, but if you can, we got that today. We got confirmation that Monday morning, this fucking coward turned himself in. Turns out, this isn't the first time that this dirty fucking excuse for a cop has had issues. This isn't even the first time this dirty cop has had issues at that club. Two years ago, he was kicked out of that club for starting a very similar fight. Five years ago, he was arrested for assaulting a fellow police officer in that club, convicted issued zero punishment and allowed to stay on the police force. Hopefully this will get him something a little more than the fucking non-existent slap on the wrist. The last time he's fucked up will do rest in peace. Leandro Lowe. That being said, as uneasy as it's going to be, we're going to try and lighten it up a little bit after that. I know it's not as fun as normally might have been, but uh, I do want to try and take this point to bring in something a little different as it were, were here. Excuse me. Um, something a little new, if you will, here. Uh, I believe ostensibly, at least for right now, we're calling this Tapology with TJ. We're going to take a little time here and let our friend Golf T give you a little fun rundown. If you would, sir. So we're going to start off with um, on this 
new segment. So I'm going to keep it a little bit brief this week. Okay, so this way you get the feel of everything. Next week will be a little more in depth because I'm was going to go back and cover everything that happened last week with our tapology. But being as this is a new season, we're going to start from scratch with this week. And so I'm not going to have anything to go back over this week. I will do a brief um, shout out to Stubbick because holy fuck last week did he pick the shit out of those fights. Fucking 10 of them and he's ranked what at the end of it number 4 or something. 10 out of 10, 8th out of 4,900 was last I saw. Yeah, it was something fucking absolutely ridiculous. So um, being as this is Tapology with TJ, if you are not a member of our fucking Tapology group and you want to get in, please do so. You're going to go and you're going to find our group by going in to Tapology. You click on the little Tapology search filter and you can go in and look for I'm No Bookie. Create yourself a little account. You can get in with the picks with us. So today what we're going to do, we're just going to cover, look, a lot of us pick other cards outside of the UFC, but we're just going to cover the UFC on this side. I did pick for Bellator. I'm not going to go over that. We're just going to go over a brief rundown of the UFC fight night that is this weekend. And like I said, brief, I'm only going to do the main card with you. I am not going to go all the way through the prelims because to be honest, there is nothing in the prelims that really fucking trips my trigger other than the fact that we get to watch uh, fucking Lupe Godinez beat the piss <laughs> out of Angela Hill. Um, so um, we're going to start all the way at the bottom. Of the beginning of the main card this weekend. Um, main card starts at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 6 Central for those of your Central Time. And out West, that is 4 Pacific. So uh, there you go. That's your main card start time on Saturday. Uh, first bout on the card that they've got is GM3 and Bruno Silva. Yeah, a weird line here, in my opinion. Not giving GM3 any fucking credit. Now, I'm not saying um, Bruno Silva doesn't require some credit, but he's, in my opinion, not where GM3 is. So um, they've got Mearshart, GM3, as a currently a plus 240 underdog. And you've got Bruno Silva as a minus 285, which, to be honest... That's not a big odds difference. That's still, in my opinion, a pretty good coin flip, but I don't think the odds should have been that far. This is one where I say if you're going to be betting on it and making a bet, take GM3 via submission round two. I think that's probably what's going to end up happening in that fight. That's the way I picked it, if I'm not mistaken. I'd have to go back and double check, but that's right where I'm at. Now, the next fight that's on this card, to be honest, the odds are probably pretty spot on. However, I'm not a fan of Ariana Lipsky, nor am I of Priscilla Cohera. Either or Cochera. I both of those girls, not in my wheelhouse. They're a coin flip a piece. You can go either way on this one. They've got Lipsky at a minus 205 and Cohera at a plus 175. How um pluses, underdogs, minuses, those are the favorites, okay? So that's where they're at with those. Just this way, everybody is understanding here. Um, moving on to our next fight here, you've got Devin Clark and Osmat Merkzanov. I'm probably martyring his fucking name, but that's okay, because you know what? 
I'm not fucking Russian. So what do you expect? Um, Devin Clark coming in at a slight underdog at a plus 125. And you've got the Russian coming in at a minus 145 currently. Now, those odds are subject to change over the next 24 hours. But um, right now, I'm pretty sure they're pretty spot on. Except for I don't think Devin Clark stands as a snowball's chance in hell. Because um, to be honest, he does not belong in the UFC. There's not anything that he has done with that big deer skull or whatever the fuck it is tattooed on his chest that has made me go, oh, you belong in the light heavyweight division. Um, and that new Amazon, he's just coming off the contender series, I think. And if it's the contender series or he's one fight in the UFC, I don't remember. But um, yeah, he's he's on a five fight win streak. And Devin Clark is not. He's far from it. And to be honest, not worth your while to even look into. Now, the next one that they had on the fucking card for this one is... Oh, shit, they, did they change it on this one? Yes, they did. All right. Well, in that case, let's go this route. It looks like the UFC's webpage has it different than Papology. So, you know, I'm going to go out based off of the UFC webpage because, you know, that's generally pretty close to spot on. They have Yasmin, Yuriguchi, and... Ismin Lucindo? Yes, man. To be honest, soup Yes, and yes, man. Yeah. Fucking pick whichever one you want. They're both soup cans. It does not belong in the main card. To be quite honest, I would much rather see the Angela Hill and Lupe Godinez on this card. And that's a long uh, stretch, considering I'm not a fan of Angela Hill, other than she is good for short notice fights. So there, that way fights will continue to go through. However, Lupi Godinez is also getting that kind of thing. But she's finally got her first full camp for this. So that's going to be interesting to see. Uh, uh, moving along, that brings us into uh, the co-main event where we've got Nate Landwehr, show favorite over here, and David Onama across from him. This one, to be honest, I think the odds makers have it fucking backwards. They've got Onama as a minus 280 favorite right now, and Nate Landwehr as a plus 235 underdog. Look, Nate Landwehr, I think, has been greatly overlooked in that featherweight division. Don't get me wrong. Onama has had a tear of knocking some people out. But Nate, Nate Landwehr, man, he's put on some absolute wars where you don't think he's going to come through and finish. I'm telling you, Nate Landwehr, undervalued here. This is probably one of your better upset picks on the night is to take Landwehr over Onama. And I'm not saying Onama can't win this fight because he very well can with his knockout ability, but that's a tough call to bet against Nate here. Unless Nate really fucking screws the pooch, uh, you're going to be looking at possibly one of the better fights of the night in this fight, in my opinion. um, Moving on to the main event of the evening, we got Chico, Marlon Vera, and Dominic Cruz. This is a hell of a fucking Bantamweight fight. Look, I get it. Dominic Cruz is aged. Yes, his chin is a little suspect from what it used to be. May have lost us half a step along the way, but he's still no fucking walk in the park. There is a reason why he's been at the top of this division for the better part of fucking 15 years. Marlon Vera, though, 
he right now is on a different level. Now, I'm not saying he's going to have an easy walk in the park with Dominic Cruz, and that is not the case. They've got him at a minus 240 favorite and Dominic Cruz at a plus 200 underdog, which, to be honest, I think those odds are just about right. They could almost call it a coin flip, but I'm not that inclined to say so. Namely, because, like I said, Dominic Cruz is not a walk in the park for anybody. And he's been racking together a couple of wins now and getting himself back into where he looks, starting to look like the old Dominic Cruz. But right now, you're betting money, probably going to have to go on Marlon Vera. If you're going in tapology, I'd be taking Marlon Vera, probably via knockout around the third round. Now, I also do see it another way, and that's Marlon Vera taking him to decision. Because, I mean, we've seen Cruz tough it out through getting knocked down and managing to stay in there. But I don't think Cruz manages to get this one done. However, that wouldn't be a bad underdog pick as well. So you got to you gotta take it with a grain of salt there because it, it could go the other way. I just don't see it going that way. But um, that's going to be week one of Tapology with TJ. We may change the name of this if I can come up with something a little more catchy. But, hey, whatever, we're, we're covering Tapology here. Um, so if you're not a member of our tapology group or don't have a tapology account, go create one, get in, pick fights with us. It's fun to watch next week. I'm going to do a little brief rundown of who deserves kudos and for what, and who totally screwed the pooch next week. And that will include those of us that are on here, as well as giving you guys kudos out there in, um, the lands of listening or watching us live on the YouTube. So, you know, um, next week, tune in. We'll go over our results and how bad we either screwed the pooch or how well we did. Absolutely. Uh, and important to mention, tapology.com does not endorse or support this show in any way, shape, or form. They offer a free service that we take advantage of and encourage you to do as well. The link for the group on Tapology I dropped into the live chat, which will be on the replay as well. If you cannot get there, it is tapology.com slash groups slash 965. Or if you search on Tapology, it is I'm no bookie. All one word, no spaces. Jump in, join. I'll approve you as soon as you get through. Put your picks through. Every Saturday during the UFC main card, we start when the premier prelim car, excuse me, the premier prelim fight kicks off on this channel right here. We have a live stream with just a rotating real time updating series of everyone's tapology card picks as the card plays loose <coughs> with luscious sultry tones of our friend of the show, Adam Polarchiks and Eddie and the arsons to help soothe your ear holes as you watch the news roll through. If you would like your picks Put from Tapology on that Saturday stream. Join the group. When you finish your picks, it gives you a little link that you can use for that. DM that to me. We'll get you on Saturday. You can watch yours. Otherwise, tune in next week to catch the recap from TJ. That being said, sticking in the vein of lovely new things for season seven here, I openly admit that some of us that have been watching the punchy kicky world for a long time tend to have a little bit of an issue with some of the new 
breed coming up through here because we tend to get a little stuck in our ways. We know who we know and we know who's relevant at the moment, but that also sometimes inadvertently causes us to miss some of the next generation on the come up until they're literally right in front of our face. So in an effort to try and combat that a little bit and help educate our audience as well as ourselves, we have got another new segment here specifically for season seven that we are calling... Close cans and contenders. Close cans <laughs> and contenders. That's what it was. I just, I was trying, the one that we decided we weren't using just kept sticking in my head. Sorry. Uh, yeah. no. Close cans and contenders. That's what it is. Take it away, Chris. All right. So, slightly like uh, TJ said, uh, won't have it as in depth as I think we will next week because this is the first week. You know, but I'll give a little recap on what we saw this Tuesday and give some opinions on one of those aspects of what we saw Tuesday and then try to give a little insight on what we're going to see this next Tuesday. We're going to try to give people a little bit of a inkling on, okay, maybe, yeah, there's a little potential in this, right? And hopefully some excitement to be had. So just to start us off, we had that first fight on the Contender Series this week. I think a few of us were a little interested in Carolina Wojcik. Uh, she was fighting uh, Lovato. And uh, Lovato was just kind of trying to hold on to her. And uh, it was making it tough for Wojcik to really get going. Uh, you know, it was when she did get to throw some strikes, she seemed like she had the better power. She seemed like she was overall the better fighter. Uh, she definitely seemed like, in my opinion, she dominated the fight. But obviously it went to the decision because of, Lovato kind of trying to hold her down. It was a little bit of a lackluster fight. It wasn't the most amazing thing. Hopefully we can see Wojcik, you know, later on down the road. She didn't get the contract. We moved on from that. We had a little bit more of an exciting fight. Clayton Carpenter fighting Edgar Cherez. Uh, Cherez is a guy out of Kansas City here. He's been training in Kansas City with James Krause, Brandon Moreno. He had Brandon Moreno on his corner. And, uh, Clayton Carpenter was the guy that came in. He had big knockout power. He was 5-0 and in his pro career. He's been fighting ever since he was a kid. You know, his dad getting him in some sort of fights. You know, so it, it, some hype behind him. And a lot of knockouts. You know, first round finishing almost all of his fights. Just one, I think. One fight hasn't gone to finish out of his five pro fights. And until this one, he was tested. And Cherez in his range, you know, his length in his range really made it tough for Clayton Carpenter. He showed that he was tough as fuck, though. He showed he showed he's got a hell of a fucking chin on him. I mean, his eye was fucked up towards the end of round one. And he definitely didn't fucking look good at the end of that fight. But I think his toughness came through. He wound up getting a decision win himself, but uh, found a way towards the later part of the fight to find a little bit in that range, get in there, fucking get some work in. And he showed that he's got some potential. Right, he finally got a little tested. He didn't look that great, but he showed he's tough. There's some potential there. So Dana kind of gave him a contract. I think it's more of that hype, and we'll get back on to the end of this recap of why I don't necessarily think Carpenter should have gotten the contract because of the other situation. Okay, uh, then we'll move on to the next fight. Eric Silva. He was the only one up to this point of the night that gave us a finish. It was the first really exciting point in the night, in my opinion. But uh, Dana White kind of after the fact to tone down the excitement, the press conference after the fact. Eric Silva goes out there, 
against a guy that's just 3-0. It wasn't anything all that surprising. He just dominated, took him down to the ground, ground and pound, quick finish in round one. So he kind of had that fun. Guaranteed he's going to get a contract. The only finish we had. Dana White kind of tore him down after the fact, said, I don't know who the fuck in hell, you know, match made this, but that, that was shit. Eric Silva looked like he was twice as big as the other dude. I don't know who did the match making, but Dana White didn't like it. He, he was like, dude still came in. He did his job. He did what he should have done against the guy he should have beat. So I'm going to give him a contract, give him a shot. Just another little lackluster moment, right? The other fucking week seemed to have been better. And we get into the co-main event, Jamal Pogues versus Renato Jr. I was leaning towards Renato Jr. He had more of the knockouts, the knockout power. And Jamal Pogues, he, he, I, this was one thing I looked into deeper this week. Didn't know Jamal Pogues had been on the Contender Series before. And uh, it was like the week before as well with Chris Duncan. Both of those guys wind up screwing me. I think I thought Charlie Campbell was going to do great the other week. And I thought Renato Jr. was going to do great this weekend. And those guys that had the contender series experience, you know, the soup can experience, right? You know, it helped them progress on against the <laughs> In this fight, that was a perfect example of that. We do get some contenders out of this. But this was a, a can fight. It was just one guy that looked too small. For heavyweight against a guy that's not a huge heavyweight. He's only about 235 himself in Jamal Pogues, and Pogues was just able to jab him up. It just That's all it was. It, uh, just a jab. Just jab. I'm just going to sing singularly jab. He wouldn't even throw a combination of jabs. Wouldn't add a hook into the... And Dana even said that after the fact. He gave him the contract because I think he had been on the contender series before. Showed he's a tough guy. He did mention he came in on this one a short notice. And then he's got a good personality. I love the dude. Like in his press conference when he was talking to Laura Senko, fucking this, fucking that, fucking, you know. I love that. He didn't give a damn whether he was on ESPN or any of that. He's just like, no, I'm going to be me. I like the guy's personality. He seems like a down-to-earth dude. He needs to do some work, though. Like Dana said, we're going to get him a full camp instead of short notice. He needs to get some work throw some fucking combinations and you know, he might've got a fucking finish, but another contract that was received, there's three contracts at this point that we've gotten. I don't feel like we're deserving. And then we get to the fucking main event of this last Tuesday, Bo motherfucking nickel. Everybody. I think anybody that's fucking heard of Bo nickel is excited for this shit. You know, the fact that he's progressed, he could have gone to WWE for fuck's sake after his huge wrestling career could have then gone. Oh, I'm going to play wrestling after all the real professional shit. Or he could have stuck with it, gone to the Olympics. There was so many paths and opportunities for Bo Nickel. And he went, I'm going to go mix martial arts. I'm going to try to be fight. I want to be the pound-for-pound pound best fighter in the world. I was already the best fucking wrestler in the world. Now I want to be the best overall fighter. Love the shit. Respect it. He only had one fight coming to this one. He goes in there and just absolutely dominate. He fucking, I'm expecting a first-round knockout. He just takes the dude down, hops on him. It doesn't even get under the neck. Just kind of fucking gets a neck crank just around the chin. It squeezes so hard, dude's fucking head is going to pop off. The fucking taps. I'm sitting here flipping out, excited. Oh, my God. Bo Nickel just got a submission finish. So, you got the knockout in his first fight, submission in this one. In 45 seconds, right? Round one in both fights. And uh, expected Dana to give him a contract. It's like, you give these other three fuckers a contract. And this is where the opinion is like, none of the other guys should have got a contract. If you're not going to give Bo the contract. It, 
we've had Cain Velasquez come in the UFC, just two and zero record, and we had Brock Lesnar come in on a one and zero record. Both legends in the fucking sport. You know, Bo, it's got the hype and potentially could be. He's got more potential than a lot of prospects. This is a real contender. This is not a fucking soup cake. This dude is already a legend in fucking wrestling, like collegiately, fucking nationally, and worldwide. He won the world championship, national championship, fucking college championship, three years running, like acclaimed wrestler, right? And now he's showing us he's got the fighting skills. He's got the knockout power, and he's got submission ability. Fucking crazy. Dana just wants to push the contender series later in the season. He's like, ah, I'm going to give Bo another contender series fight instead of contract. And probably pissed us all off. He gave you that feeling again. It's like, well, what's the point in fucking watching this shit? He gave a few cans of contract and the one contender that was there. It's like, nah, I need to bump the ratings later in the season. So that was like earlier in the podcast we were mentioning statements. Tip the cap to Dana on certain things. Well, this one on Tuesday, he's you got to give him the middle finger. It's like, what are you thinking on this one, Dana? We know what he's saying. We just got to drum up the ratings later in the season because you know Bo's going to tear through. There's no testing him. Dana said, well, we're going to test him. He gets through that, and then we'll give him a contract. I don't think there's testing him until he gets to the top 15 in the middle of the weight division. Once he gets to the ranked guys, then he's going to be get tested. Until that point, I think he's better than a lot of the guys in the middle weight division that are not ranked. So, this is going to be exciting. It's just sad that he didn't get the contract. Move into this week. Uh, finish it off a little short. Don't have a lot to talk about. There's a few people I'm excited about on this card. We got the first fight. I'm excited about this kid, Nazim Sadikov. He's fighting Ahmed ha- Hassan Zada. That's a fucking hell of a name if I, if I fucking know. Nazim is 6-1 and one and Ahmad is 8-1. So uh, there's that. But uh, Nazim, the big thing about him, he's got a couple of technical knockouts so far, a couple of knockouts. He's even got a submission out of his six wins. And he's a Ray Longo guy. Really like Ray Longo and, you know, his fucking crew out there. You know, he coaches Chris Weidman, Aljamain Sterling, not everybody's favorite fighter. But Rob, though, definitely love him, Rob. I love me some Ray Longo. So I'm excited that maybe we could see a contender coming out of Ray Longo's gym. And this is the last guy. He's already had a couple guys earlier in the season. Didn't do too great. So hoping his last guy that's going to be on the contender series can pull something out. That's the biggest reason that this first fight on the card is a little exciting for me. I know Dana doesn't give a flying fuck about that, but me being a fan, care about the Ray Longo guy. Then we've got uh, Jack Cartwright. He's fighting Jose Johnson. Now, Jose Johnson seems like the total can. He's got a 14-7 record coming into the Contender Series. He's already fought on the Contender Series, though. So this was the thing I tried looking deeper into. He lost on the Contender Series back in 2020. So it's like, even though this guy is 14-7, what we've seen so far this year with the Contender Series, I feel like I'm going to get fucked trying to go Jack Cartwright on this. This guy is 10-0. He's got a couple submissions, uh, technical knockout finish, and a knockout. Uh, He's got a round two submission win in his last fight. He doesn't have a ton of fucking submissions, but the fact that he's coming in undefeated is a little more exciting than others. But I feel like I'm getting set up. I want to take Jack Cartwright. He's a potential contender out of this week's card, but it feels like I'm getting set up here because what we've seen in the past couple weeks with guys that have been on a contender series before really hope that the undefeated guy goes and gets it done and we don't see another soup can 
wind up getting a fucking comeback victory here and go in to the UFC a 15 and seven record off of the contender shoes. That, that, that'll continue the narrative. But this is just the soup can series instead of the actual contender shoes. Hence the fucking name of the, the segment. I thought, I thought that was a little clever. You know, cans and contenders because it's both. Uh, we've got another ladies fight this week. We'll mention that Haley, uh, Conan? I can't remember fucking, I think it's Haley Conan, Claudia Lite. Uh, just mention that because of the ladies fight. Neither one of them have a lot of finishes, just a, a handful of technical knockouts or submissions between the two of them. Nothing to be too excited about. We've got the co-main event, uh, Claudio Ribeiro and Iwan Venezuela. Uh, they both have quite a few Knockouts and technical knockouts between the two of them. That's about all I can say about that one. And then we got the main event, Thomas Paul versus Esteban Ribovic. Uh, Ribovic is 10-0. and 0, So he's coming in undefeated. He's got fucking uh, five first-round finishes in his last few fights. Uh, he's got a knockout in seven seconds. He, uh, yeah. The, the other guy, Thomas Paul, he was a champion in his previous fucking fighting championship, uh, Golden Ticket FC. Not sure if anybody's too familiar with Golden Ticket fighting championship, but he was apparently a double champion. He held two belts at one time in Golden Ticket FC. So Thomas Paul is coming in at 11-3. He's got nine technical knockout wins, a couple knockout wins in his career. Potentially excitement here just because of the, the finish rate. So... Nothing crazy this week, but hopefully we'll be surprised and we'll get more finishes than we did last week. We only got those couple last week, and one of them they didn't even give the fucking contract to. So right. hopefully we, we get some decency out of this week. Next week I'll go into a little more depth of what we're going to see at least, you know, coming up. Try to go into more depth with all the fighters and shit. Sounds good. Much appreciated, sir. I uh, will throw in a side note, little tidbit that uh, the first soup can series I have literally ever watched since its inception was last Tuesday. And I got a perfect five for five on my topology fix for it. Just got a little, little, I, 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 I don't watch the soup cans at all. I, this is literally the first time I've ever seen the soup can series. And I put a five for fucking five down on topology for it. So I'm just going to take a moment, my own fucking show and just, Congratulations to that because the fucking <laughs> first few weeks before then, I've been four for five out of every one of them. Fucking, there's at least been one. Uh, the, the first week it was just trash. And one, one of the fights I got wrong. But the past couple weeks, the thing that's been tricking me up is the not knowing that one of those fighters had been on the contender series previous and they wind up getting that fucking win. Hopefully, though, like I said, hopefully the dude that's on this week's card, and I don't want to see that. Jose Johnson. He's got six knockouts in his career. That's the only special thing. Six knockouts, two TKOs, but he's 14 and seven. He does have a 12-second knockout in his last like his last fight. He knocked the dude out in 12 seconds. But I still think he's a can. That boat's pretty fucking I'm, I'm, trying, well. I'm trying to build up the can, but I still think he's a can. <laughs> right. No, it's, Dana himself has been saying it. It doesn't fucking matter what you did prior to getting here. What matters is what you do when you're here. Yeah, he so, better get that 12-second like, knockout. Like, that's what I'm saying. That 12-second knockout that definitely either. gets people excited, but if you come in with a 12-second knockout and try and wrestle fuck a dude for 15 minutes and you're boring as shit, you won't get talked about on this goddamn show anymore. <laughs> no. And 
I still think Dana is a fucking twat for not signing Bo Nichols. Oh, but yeah. uh, there was a point made in chat, and I said I don't normally want him in chat here, but Dana looked like he only wanted to sign people last this week that he could manipulate. He could have his way with him. Play and Bo Nichols is not that fucking guy yeah. that knows his goddamn worth. And he, you could see it even in the post fight, not with Lurasenko, but when he did his post fight presser. Yeah. Oh, he fucking damn well knows his worth. He's like, yeah, I didn't expect it would be that easy to get a contract, but he he fucking knew he was being toyed with. Like, to be honest, I think it's just they don't want to pay him, and yeah, they, they they know they can't get him on a twelve and twelve yeah. contract. Yeah, you, like, yeah, you're right. They can't give them a development contract. They're gonna have to fucking at least do what I. I don't know if Patty's fully come at Patty the Baddies. I think he's at fifty and fifty now. With what they bumped him up to after two fucking fights, so they'd have to at least start Bo at that, right? You'd at a bare minimum. If he goes in and wins, you gotta at least give him a hundred thousand a fight, Look, yeah. just because the, way, the fucking hype he would bring to any card. You could have him at the apex. I feel, yeah, and everybody's I feel like gonna why, fucking watch that fight. Now. I feel just like that's why they're doing what they're doing here, is because if they can say, "Look what he did on the contender series," and use that to build up the hype. It will kind of justify because, yeah, I agree 100%. There ain't no fucking way you're going to get Bo Nichols to sign a 14 and 14 fucking contract right now. Well, Knowing damn well, Gable Stevenson just signed a what, $7 million WWE developmental fucking contract, and Patty's on 50 and 50 after fucking two getting bumped up. No, Bo's going to need that money. And he absolutely was fully aware of it when he sat down. He said, I fully anticipate the next guy they give him to be just as easy as this one, but hopefully that one will get me the actual contract. So. Well, and you know what? That's one thing I really like about him. The dude's world class. He's been in under the biggest spotlights. He's wrestled in Madison Square Garden. It's not like yeah, it's yeah. fucking something new to go to some giant fucking venue and yeah, dominate headlined the world. You know, I like it. The dude, the dude's gonna. I don't think he's gonna land in the UFC though. I really don't because I don't think the UFC is gonna be willing to pay him what he knows he's worth. Because you know damn well he's already got a fucking agent. Right. And you know damn well the one place that will probably be willing to pay him, fucking Bellator. I, and I don't even know if Bellator can fucking afford him right now. I, I'm willing to bet Bellator already made a swipe at him and couldn't compete to even what the fucking Contender Series contract was offering. I'm betting if he doesn't end up in the UFC... He goes overseas. He goes over to hang out with fucking Chachri and DJ and Eddie and make serious fucking coin over there because as accomplished as an accredited fucking wrestler like he is with all the fucking jujitsu skills that he's got, they'll fucking love him because he's a short guy. Yeah, this is true. But man, he's he's got the he's he's got that it factor to him though too. It's not just the wrestling, but he's got something that can sell fights. He's got the personality for it. And it's not the cocksucker personality. It's just a, I know how fucking good I am personality because I put in time and effort. Yeah. He's a fighter's fighter. He knows what he's capable of and he knows what he's got to do to keep staying that way. So yeah, um, yeah, I was very fucking, very fucking happy with his performance. Very disappointed in Dana's fucking choice. But, uh, on the other side of it, I understand this part of it from Dana though, because he knows how fast that fight ended. There was no damage taken by him at all, like absolutely zero. That was Kamzat 
esque fucking first three fights in the UFC damage taken. Absolutely. Where he just <laughs> okay, let's do this. Let's give him one more contenders series fight, which we can conveniently place at the end of this season as a right. season finale. And then right, get him in. So event, we'll, a season finale, and yeah. Then you'll probably see him middle of next year in the fucking UFC at some point. Yep. Guaranteed, it's going to be a way bigger payday than any fucking initial contract signee they've ever fucking had. Yeah. Period. Uh, he, yeah, he might be the highest fucking paid UFC debut fucking fighter that they've seen because <laughs> he's oh, fucking yeah. worth it. <laughs> I can guarantee you, even as a coming in as a new uh, fighter, not as a day, de- just as a UFC debut fighter. Let's say even when they made the trade for fucking Ben Askren's, Ben Askren's got paid a buttload of fucking money to come over, which not mad about. Good on him. Good for him. Get that bag, son. Get it. <laughs> uh, but I have a feeling it'll be more than even fucking that. And Ben Askren's was seasoned. He was a fucking title holder over in another fucking company. So it's yeah, he really, not which like is he about was, to retire. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, since you brought him up, didn't they do the same thing just the other year with Michael Chandler? Like, didn't they give they him a too. big fucking deal to come over to UFC? Oh, so I don't know that he'll get Michael Chandler money. Well, yeah, obviously not, but it's the thing, but, right? Yeah. It's a if precedent you can set. Bring him over from another organization, you're going to pay Michael Chandler a shit ton of money, then you definitely would pay this prospect more money than other prospects. Oh, we all are in agreement. Bo Nickel is damn sure head above heels compared well, to any of these other prospects. I think yeah, like you, mentioned, first... you mentioned the Hamzad-esque. May not yet fully. We've seen him in two fights, but God, I mean, yeah. Well, that's we've the same that. thing that happened with Hamzad. Too. I was going to say, we only it's saw the same way Hamzad fights, went too, yeah. <laughs> and they went, holy fuck. Now, even look at even Bo Nickel's turnaround time wasn't that long from his first fight to the first contender series fight. There was what less than three months, right? Three and a half months, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, the dude is fucking. He's a fighter's fighter. It's out there. I'm just saying, they're gonna have to pay some heavy duty scratch to that man when they go to sign him. Because I, I think that was uh, Dana's way of going. You know what? Let me. Get you one more contender series fight so I can go talk to the guys that are a little back end money out and figure out how we're gonna end up paying you for this shit. Yeah. Scratch a couple of those new fucking contender series guys we really shouldn't have signed anyway and take that fucking funds and put it into the boat nickel contribution. Who knows? Maybe he'll get a couple of fucking soup cans that come off of there to feed the bone nickels as he comes in. Right? No shit. But that's oh, literally what's going to happen. He's going to eat a right. whole bunch of that fucking division huh? he's, yeah, real he's quick. Everyone they put in front of him until they get him to the top five, I think. And then it's going to get interesting. Yeah, <laughs> then he'll actually have to work hard. I don't think he's going to have to work hard to get to the top five, though. I agree. I agree. So going forward, we will have our news and recent events. We will have a little bit of a tabology update and recap. We will have a little bit of an up and comer contender series preview and recap. And that will bring us to the lighter portion of our show, the ending segment, if you will. Now, traditionally we do a little thing around here where we knock down that friendly banter that we've got and we kick things up a little bit and we make it a little more intense but uh, since it's season seven, we got to kick things up yet another notch. Season seven 
we are officially kicking off with a Grand Prix. It's not a Grand Prix radio like the gift says, but it's a Grand Prix. Nonetheless, I can find a proper gift, so you get what you get. Uh, that being said, those of you who are watching here on YouTube will know by that raucous gift that runs across the screen that this is the moment that we put all the friendliness and the news and the resources and the shenaniganry aside and we get a little more real. This is the point, ladies and gentlemen, where we bring you the pit. This is where we take the fun of fights and we make it a little bit more competitive than we usually would. And we are kicking off season seven with a full fucking Grand Prix. Now, I tell you what, we might not have as much money as Bellator's Grand Prix, but I bet you we give you more fucking entertainment. I'll give you the Pepsi challenge on that one, bitch. So to kick things off for our season seven pit Grand Prix, there could have been no other we have to start things off the way we ended season six we must know which new guy reigns supreme so the first round in the season seven pit grand prix is new guy on new guy violence that's right we are putting the fresh face young fucks against each other and see two men enter one man leaves who's it gonna be so tonight gentlemen christian versus rj the finale are you gentlemen ready? Yeah. What a right. way to fucking bring in this Grand Prix. Bring the majority draw back and fucking let them rip it out again. I'm Bring fucking excited next. on this. Let's fucking go. No. I'm about to be Brandon Moreno tonight. Let's go. <laughs> First Mexican champ. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, normally... When we take our edition of the pit to task, as it were, at the end of our episodes, the returning champion or the previous episode's victor would get to go first. Now, as you may have heard just a moment ago, or you may have seen last week, if you paid attention, we had our first ever on-air majority draw. So we don't have a returning winner. And since this is my fucking podcast, and this is whose line is it anyway style, the points are all made up and they don't really fucking matter. I'm going to make a decision here. This might be the only time in his life it ever happens this way. So I have decided that RJ is going to get to go first on account of he has the most facial hair of our <laughs> new guys. <laughs> Look at all that dirt on your chin. Hey, I just like the shave. I, I like having you go too. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. But you also have to understand. Give me, give me a month. Give me a month. Well, that's okay. <laughs> but you also have to understand. I have literally gotten a copyright strike on this channel because RJ came in clean shaved, and they thought I had fucking minors on the show. I'm not kidding. I can show you the strike. <laughs> way way back in the day, whenever I first moved to Ohio, whenever I got my very first PC set up. And I was doing it in my fucking bedroom. We we did a a like 30 second segment at the end of every show for like two months. That was just, hey YouTube, I'm over 18. <laughs> yeah. This baby faced fuck got me a fucking YouTube strike because they thought I had minors on the show. So on yeah. account of the turnaround that he has made here, I'm gonna let him go first because for once he has the most facial hair in a situation. Fuck yeah. <laughs> At least I haven't gotten you oh. a fucking strike yet. At least I got enough to fucking. That's, I, that's what I said. We, you're still, you're still in good standing. You're all right. 
but oh, fucking because of fucking, that fucking laziness good story, has, though. go right ahead laziness we're, we're gonna let RJ. fucking one me one me that's something. what i said it, it, it all comes around eventually <laughs> so rj that means you are kicking this off sir so we are opening this card the way that we like to we're going to call this what the fuck am i watching i would like to know sir there is one fight inevitably on every card that the journalism's and I struggle to call them journalists. The, uh, the MMA journalism crew will just not shut up about for some fucking reason. And it's a waste of time. You might even say it's an overhyped fight, if you will. On this San Diego card of cards we have coming down the pipe this weekend. What would be your what the fuck am I watching fight, sir? Oh, for me, I'm going to throw an honorable mention because I have to. You can't you can't ask me this question with one of two people, and this so happens both of them are on this card. Um, but my big one is Devin Clark uh, has quite literally done dog shit for the UFC. Um, I mean, he quite literally became the new uh, Lionheart Smith with his gums uh, fucked up, not the teeth. Um. He's done absolutely dog shit for the company, has done fuck all in his weight class, but somehow, some way managed to get himself a main card slot, mostly because the guy he's fighting is a very, very well-touted prospect coming up in the UFC. Um, but Devin Clark, without a doubt, is the biggest overhyped fucking piece of shit on this card next to next to everyone's favorite great granddaughter or granddaughter of ufo conspiracy theorists angela hill betty and barney hill i'm talking about you angela hill is quite literally like eight and ten in the ufc fuck me i don't know why she still has a contract she needs to get the fuck out of here just as quickly as devin clark does because she wants to start to be a finisher. Bitch, you should have thought about that like four fucking years ago. Um, yes, uh, both of them are overhyped. I have to, I have to throw Angela Hill in if they are both on a card. Because my brain will not let me not do that. I can definitely see that. So. That'll bring us back over to the other side of the octagon, as it were, for this match here. Brother Christian, I would like to know for you, sir, on this weekend's California Love card, which one is the goddammit stop talking about that fight for you? All right. So I'll give a little honorable mention myself. I'm going to honorable mention the Cynthia Calvillo Nina Nunez fight. It was uh, pushed back a little, a little bit. I, I don't think it's too exciting. They put it on the main card. So I'm going to give that an honorable mention. But the thing that I really think is the what the fuck are we watching? The featured prelim. Uh, Brother RJ you know, mentioned it himself. The Angela Hill versus Lupita Godinez fight. I mean, Godinez, she, she comes to fight, but I wouldn't think she's a you know world beater or anything to get too excited about. She has fought Luina Carolina and, and uh, Jessica Penne, and you know 
fucking lost to the both of them. She did sub out Gomez Juarez, you know. She just seems like a little bit of an in-between fighter. We know she's going to come to fight. I hate Angela Hill. Well, we, we touched on it earlier in the podcast. I heard you guys said it. We want to see uh, Angela Hill get her ass beat. I guess that's the most exciting aspect. But for me, I've heard a lot about this fight this week. And it's nothing like what we've talked about tonight. Everybody's been on Angela Hill. I've been listening to podcasts all week. Everybody's, for whatever fucking reason, trying to defend Angela Hill. That a lot of her fights that she's lost, it it was a lot different fight than what you see with the scorecard or whatnot. I I hate her voice. I don't don't think she's a special fighter. Uh, 13 and 12 is somehow still in the damn UFC. She hasn't done anything special in her entire career. I mean, her last few fights, losing to Tisha Torres, Amanda Lemos, Yanda Roba in the last fight, is it's about time we get her out of the UFC, and then you make this a feature prelim. So for me, this is definitely the what the fuck am I watching for this weekend. Just hope, like we said earlier, Gudinez puts her out of her fucking misery, gives her the 13 and 13 even record, and UFC ships her off to fucking Shitsville. I can definitely understand that one as well. Uh, I got to say, you you both absolutely make good points here. Um, we are going to give the point for round one to RJ. Uh, while you did both make good points, uh, despite folks constantly talking about Angela Hill, it's it's not anything serious. It's, it's more of like, are we really doing this again? Uh, I, I think hers is almost more of like irony than than genuine fucking endorsement of the Angela Hill fight, so to speak. So uh, we are going to give RJ the point for round one, seeing as how uh, Slow Bake took the low hanging fruit here, and I just I, I just can't agree with with that being the worst. Even though, trust me, no one here on the show is is big fans of Angela Hill for numerous reasons, as I well will, mentioned. I will say this: the only thing that I'm excited about Angela Hill is whenever she talks about her, the stories that her parents tell her about her grandparents. Because that shit's cool. That's the only thing I get excited that that comes out of her mouth. That's it. I could I could deal with that. So, with that being said, we flip that over to the opposite side of the coin here. Christian, you will take this one first here. And the opposite side of our round two questions, we like to call, Hey, Ma, get in here! This is the fight that no one, for some reason, is talking about and is going to absolutely blow the fucking doors off. You might even call it the Dark Horse fight of the night. So, Christian, for you, what would be that particular fight on the San Diego card? I'm going to go ahead and just throw out the co-main event. Uh, Golf Key was talking about it a little while ago. A lot of people, even the odds, have Nate the Train, you know, is the underdog and a big underdog and uh david onama is good he, he's here the kansas city boy you know works with james Krause and everything so it's like personally it's tough i like them both but um yeah the disrespect in my opinion for nate the train this is uh the dark horse fight in my opinion this could like we heard tj saying earlier this could be one of the fights of the night if not the fight of the night because of how good both of these guys are you know, Onama is kind of working his way up a little bit, but Nathan Train has been in a lot of fucking wars, and you can't fucking count him out. 
for sure whether Onama's got the finishing power, he's got the submission ability, all that's there. He's dangerous, but this is where I see a total war coming out of this fight. And um, uh, we're local boys, so we've been talking about it a little bit. And then, like we said earlier, Nate, fucking, you know, show favorite. So it's been talked about here. Haven't heard it talked about a ton anywhere else this week, and it's the co-main event. Other than the main event, this is probably going to be the most exciting fight on the card. You know those fucking flyweights are always fucking exciting. Let's let's go. I mean, this this is the dark horse. There's potentially a fucking three three round slugfest. We're going to see Nate the Train potentially fucking just you know make this a dog fight for Onama. Give him something he hasn't fucking had in a while, man. Right. Yeah. No, I I think it's a damn good point for sure. <coughs> Excuse me. So that brings us back over to you, RJ. On this card of cards we've got, where that bomb-ass hemp be, California, knows how to party. They also apparently know how to keep a good secret when it comes to the best fight of the night. For you, sir, what is that, hey, Mo, get in here, fight on the San Diego card? My, Me personally, mostly because ever since his debut fight, He's always put on rather exciting fights. As his students call him, fucking Mr. O. Fucking Ode Osborne. Ever since the bullshit with Manel Cape, his second fight under the UFC promotion was a decision, which was a very exciting, still very exciting fight on both sides of it. And his last fight was that one-minute knockout, which was beautiful. But I, I, I'm, I, I get more excited for the new guys that nobody talks about, that nobody knows. I get more excited for them, especially whenever, whenever they are really fucking exciting uh, in, in the octagon, in the cage. I get excited for that. My personal dark horse is fucking Ode Osborne, Mr. O. Interesting. Interesting indeed. Definitely a good fight as well. Definitely a good fight as well. So, that being said, uh, I's dotted, T's crossed, as it were. We are going to give the point for round two. To Slovic. Um, I, I think that's probably the dark horse fight of the whole goddamn event. Dark horse fight of the main, dark horse fight of the fucking whole card, possibly dark horse fight of the fucking month. That's one that's just slid completely under the fucking radar, in my opinion, and it, it shouldn't have. Uh, there is a caveat, though, here. Yeah, there is definitely a big caveat. <laughs> Um, I just want this to be very well known. This damn near swayed my opinion on which way to judge this. Christian, Nate Landwehr is not a flyweight. He's a fucking featherweight. The fuck are you doing over there? Yeah, I'm smoking weed. <laughs> Look, I get that. But man, we, we got to do our best here to at least try to keep our mistakes to a minimum don't worry we all make them but man when it comes to the pit you got to be a little more on point here 
But no, that's all I knew is they're small dudes. I thought Onama was a flyweight, so that's why I brought that up. Don't get me wrong. I still think that was a bit of a low-hanging fruit answer on this one. But, you know, I'm just saying the the Ode Osborne answer, that one had me kind of swayed, too, because I have liked what I've seen the last two fights out of Ode. He's gotten a lot better since that first fuckery that he had when he first entered. And he's fighting a pretty goddamn solid Tyson Nam, so that's a really good fucking fight to be watching for. So... That is definitely a good honorable mention in this in this situation. Yeah, I, I agree. Definitely good. Definitely good one on both sides here. But point will go to slowly for this one. So, bringing it back to round three here, RJ. This one will come back to you first. We've got an interesting pair of fights to close out our San Diego card this weekend. First and foremost. The featherweight co-main event, Nate the Train Landweir versus David Onama. Definitely an exciting fight all the way around. I'm curious how you think this one plays out, sir. So, me personally, I... Oh. I have to go... With Nate Landwehr on this, I do. I personally do not think that this is going to be a stoppage fight. I think it's going to come down to a decision because both these men both can grapple like motherfuckers. Both can stand up and throw hands for days. Both of them have a rather good fucking chin. That is the entire dilemma. That is the entire dilemma because Nate Landwehr, 100%, he is on a fucking good, good level for how young he is in mixed martial arts in the UFC. He is on another level, but not a lot of people that he goes up against can hang and compete on their feet on their ground that is that has potential to shake shit up a bit and i do not think nate will break this down to a stoppage victory i think it's going to be a decision which is still going to be fucking exciting interesting very very interesting i think it's definitely a possibility so that'll bring us back across the octagon as it were to you christian in this crazy featherweight co-main event that we have got here between show favorite Nate Landwehr featherweight and David Onama, also featherweight. I'm curious, sir, how you think this fight plays out at featherweight. All right. So I fucked up. There's a featherweight bout, right? <laughs> Maybe I do better on my notes and actually fucking some dudes. I don't know that great. Put the fucking weight class down. I don't know. That might help, but fuck it. I'm just going to give my honest opinion. I know how the back and forth goes here. So, fuck it. I like Nate a lot. He's a tough motherfucker in his last fight, you know, beating Ludovic Klein like he fucking did. The fight he had against Darren Elkins is also fucking fantastic. But I'm worried about the fact that Herbert Burns knocked him out. I'm also a little worried about the Julian Russell fight he had. 
he, he's got the potential, and I definitely could see this going to a war. But I'm going to give my damn personal opinion, and I'm going with my Kansas City boy with David Onama. He's got crazy fucking finishing power, and he's got great ground game. He's got four fucking TKO wins in his career, four fucking submission wins, two actual fucking knockouts. That's pretty fucking crazy when you're 10 and fucking one. He's only lost one fight. We saw what he did just a few weeks ago, really. What, three, four weeks ago against Garrett Armfield? Armfield came in there. He was looking pretty good. You know, Onama just switched it up. He wasn't doing that great on his feet. And he took it to the ground and subbed him. So I'm, I'm just going to – honest opinion. I like going for the – this is where it's weird, right? I feel like Onama should be the dog. Landweir should be the favorite. And a lot of people – are on Nate's side. I feel like with my pick, I'm kind of taking the underdog, even though the actual fight line is not that. But yeah, I feel like David O'Nama is going to get a finish. That's uh, just personal opinion. That's what I'm going with. That's how I'm picking it in tapology. So don't sugarcoat it. Don't lie. Just like I fucked up. They are featherweights, so at least I learned something tonight. Uh, are they? I didn't even. I didn't even notice. Oh my god, that's good to know. <laughs> So <laughs> solid. Wait, thank for the solid information, though. Oh, you're sure they're not bantamweights, right? I don't know. They might be heavyweights, right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Nate Landwehr's getting Francis Ngannou next. <laughs> right. I mean, if Nate Diaz can call for the fight, why can't anybody else? But that being said, um, eyes dotted, T's crossed on this one. Um, this, this was a tough call. This, this one was a, a little bit uh, harder to make the decision on than some of the previous ones have. Um, it was a late sway. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It was a late sway here. Uh, this is one of the rare situations I will say where low hanging fruit almost won the day. Almost. Cause there are very few times, I don't give a fuck who's standing opposite the octagon. There are very few times in the last few years where I have even considered looking across from Nate Landwehr and saying, well, they might take it. That being said, you also can't dismiss the fact, even though he's one of my fucking favorites, Nate has been in some fucking trouble. Nate has put himself in a lot of dangerous situations and especially even though it was a little bit of a lucky shot I will say Herbert Burns put him flat the fuck down and we just saw what happened to Herbert Burns not that fucking long ago so that is absolutely a bad fucking look even for a good guy I'm a huge fucking fan of Nate Landwehr and I absolutely think he wins this fight but acknowledging that he's been in trouble despite he might be the favorite definitely goes further around here we don't like sugarcoating shit let's say willie wonka's chocolate factory we keeps it real around this motherfucker so point for round three goes to slow bake. that being said round four christian you get this one first the opposite side of that coin as it were california knows how to party <laughs> california knows how to party in the city of San Diego. They've got a main event. 
Now, it's a pretty damn good one. It's Cheeto fucking Vera versus Dominic Cruz. And I don't know when we've had a better main event on a fight night recently, but I'm telling you, it's a pretty fucking good one, in my opinion. So my question, sir, how the fuck does this crazy fight shake loose in your opinion? Oh, man, uh, you just kind of put it simple right there. It's going to be crazy as fuck. Uh, we said it a lot this year, and I've kind of held myself back from wanting to say it this week. And I feel like this could be a fight of the year. I'm going to say could be instead of this will be fight. You know, there's been some times in the past couple of months where we've been like, oh, man, this is a fucking fantastic fight. Looking back just last month, fucking Yair and Brian and then fucking Curtis Blades and Tom Aspinall. We were like, wow, we're getting great main events. And then the shit happens, right? Um I don't necessarily think we're going to see that. Fingers crossed, knock on the fucking wood, all that good shit. But uh, this is going to be a fucking war. Like, these are two dudes. Like, Dominic Cruz, legend of the bandweight division. If you want to call him the GOAT, you really could call him the fucking GOAT. The only time that he didn't have the championship was when he was in WEC, right? Ever since he's been in the UFC, he's been champion up until fucking the whole Cejudo thing. Remember, that's the only fight he really needs to get back. This could look good if he beats Cheeto, right? If Cejudo actually gets serious, maybe that could be the next fun fight for Dominic Cruz, trying to get that fight back before he gets a championship because he's at eight right now. He's probably not going to get the title just because Aldo's there, and you know, the fuckery with Sean O'Malley and everything getting jumped up from 10 to fighting Peter Jan at one, all this stuff that's going on in the bandweight division. But Cheeto Vera is a fucking monster. He's on another fucking level. Uh, Dude's a fucking killer. I can't remember the last time he lost a fight. Um, 2020, he lost to Song Yudong. It's been a couple years. But, and Song Yudong's a good fucking dude. But, I mean, since then, he beat No Mally and just going on a fucking tear. He beat and knocking out Frankie Edgar, beating the shit out of Rob Font, even though he seemed like statistically, the defense is just fucking insane. Um, Dominic Cruz, this is where I think he's always had the great footwork, the great wrestling and shit like that. But Cheeto has even better footwork. And that youth, I feel like, is going to help him. He's got an insane gas tank. His footwork is amazing as well. And his defense is incredible. And we've never seen Dominic to have insane power. And Cheeto is crazy with the kicks, the elbows, all the above. I, I don't want to say that we're going to get a knockout, but the only potential for a finish in this fight, I think, is Chio Vera. But I see an absolute fucking dog fight. We're going to see some fucking blood. You know, on mine and Vince's podcast, we do our little bet on blood shit every week. This is the bloodiest fight of the week for me. This is the one I'm putting my money on. So, right, But I think Cheeto's going to get the win. Whether he gets the finish, it's going to be a decision. It's going to be a hell of a fucking war. It's not going to be easy for Cheeto Vera, but I think Dominic has lost a little touch of a step just with him getting on in age. And Cheeto's fucking on the climb. He's just different level than I think any of the dudes in the bantamweight division right now. Nice. I can definitely see that. So that'll bring us back across the octagon, as it were, here to you, RJ. In this craziest of main events we have got to look forward to here. Saturday evening, Dominic Cruz, Marlon Chito Vera, Jake out. So, I'm going to break it down. Um, 
the best way I can. Dominic Cruz, as Christian said, is a fucking legend. Screw a weight class. He's a, he's a legend of the industry. MMA in general, he's been around since the fucking early days. You can't, you can't go to an organization and say Dominic Cruz and nobody will give the man the respect that he fucking deserves. Uh, he's been through some of the bloodiest, bad ass fucking wars through the UFC, the WEC, across the board. He's got some road miles on him. He's up there in age. I think this is his 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 his, his last run at trying to get a title. Which hats the fuck off to you. Um, but he is he is that old breed. On the other side of the octagon, you have the fucking Cheeto show. That man is young. He's unorthodox. He's very weird in his movements. He's very slick on his feet. His footwork is top fucking notch. Just like Christian said, footwork is top notch. But he is that he's that very young breed that. I can do everything you can do, but make it look different and make it look a little bit cleaner. Uh, and I think that is that is going to be the defining moment. The his speed, the strangeness with how he goes in for attacks, the way he breaks down the octagon, the way he breaks down an opponent to get to the weakness. It's very, very unusual. And I Cruz has not seen something like that because his last fight was Munoz. Just like him, old school. Not flashy, not weird. Goes straight in just like the old days. And then before that was a younger guy. Didn't have a lot of the uh, potential and the power that Cheeto has. I have to give it to Cheeto. I will not call if it's going to be a, a submission, a win, or a decision, because who fucking knows? Because Cruz has a hell of a chin on him. That he fucking does. He's a hell of a wrestler. But fuck me. As Christian said, this is a fucking war of a fight. This is going to be a war of attrition. To say the least. But with the way that Vera moves, fights, attacks his opponent. Dominic Cruz has not seen that in a very long time. And I think that is going to heavily throw off the way Cruz performs. I can definitely see that as well. Definitely see that as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um. Eyes dotted, T's crossed here. Um, I feel like very similar to how we had just a moment ago here. It's not so much the pick as how we got to the pick that swayed the point in this situation here. One of the big things we try and preach on this show, regardless of how you feel about a person, give credit where credit is due. And I agree. 
Christian gave a good presentation here. But what RJ did that took it above and beyond is he made a point to say that Dominic isn't getting the respect that he deserves in this fight. And I 100% agree. I'm pulling for Cheeto all the fucking way through it. I honestly don't see a way that Dom can win this. And I'm a Dominic Cruz fan. But I agree 100% with what RJ said here. The amount of respect that is not being shown to the literal living MMA legend that is Dominic Cruz, despite him being in a fucking main event in California. It's, it's disrespectful, the lack of respect that they're showing him, in my opinion. Most definitely. And don't get it twisted. I don't see him winning it, but that crafty old veteran is a crafty old veteran for a reason. So there is there's going to be an ace up his sleeve somewhere that you will see somewhere throughout the fight where you're going to go, ooh, that might change shit. Yeah, he's, he's going to make you earn it for goddamn sure. But I think I think the best thing that RJ said in all of this is exactly how I feel about this fight. It's not that uh, any one particular thing that Cheeto does that's better than something that Dominic Cruz does. It, it's literally exactly what RJ says. For Dominic Cruz, Cheeto Vera is the anything you can do, I can do better type. It is literally the new breed that can do everything the old breed can, just a half step quicker and a half a punch harder. And I think that's exactly what we're going to see this weekend. So for those of you who have been keeping track and those of you that can math, that will let you know that we are now officially tied up and must go to a round five winner take all sudden death question. Now, especially for the new Grand Prix that we are taking part in here to eliminate the possibility of any bias in the choosing of the questions. I have a series of sticky notes with questions pre-selected on them. RJ, give me a number one through four. Um, Dale Earnhardt, three, baby. Raise hail, praise Dale. All right. <laughs> so, your, your question. Round five here. We're going to stick with RJ going first here because it just works out better that way right now. So, RJ, your question for determining the opening round of the Pitt Grand Prix for Season 7. In your valued opinion, what is the next major rule change the American Boxing Committee or commission rather, and then subsequently the unified MMA rules will be the big change. Me, me personally, um, gloves. The, how, how do I word it? The, so everyone knows boxers, are far more susceptible to CTE as everyone fucking knows because you can look at the last 60 years of, of fighters. They all have fucked up problems because you are getting hit repeatedly day in day out with a pillow that still fucking hurts um, because it doesn't do as much damage as UFC striking gloves do. 
but it fucks your brain up a whole lot more because you got a whole lot more umph to rattle your brain around with, uh, which then would come into the UFC changing the glove style to prevent, you know, eye pokes, make it a little bit harder, make something potentially to where you have to work to do this because I think that would be very, very good for the UFC in the long run. So I think the changing of gloves, I think, is going to be a big step, needs to be a big step uh, for the combat world uh, because there are far too many, far too many injuries on both sides of spectrum uh, related to fucking gloves. Uh, either not giving enough support in the wrist, breaking wrists, having <coughs> chronic wrist injuries, and then UFC with the same exact thing happening, hand injuries, wrist injuries, eye pokes, um, you know, causing certain people just to lose their fucking eyeballs. Uh, we've seen that a couple dozen fucking times. Uh, it, that, that both of those things need to change on both sides of the industry. At least to me personally, that is the biggest thing because I have been hit for many years with boxing gloves and I've also been fucked up with MMA striking gloves. So I want to see glove changes. Interesting. Definitely a very good one. Definitely something that obviously needs to be done and we've talked about for literally years now. So very good point, sir. Very good point indeed. So... With that being said, that will bring us back to the other side of the octagon, as it were, for this round five winner-take-all sudden death point question. So, Christian, the question comes to you, sir. What is the next potential big rule change that the American Boxing Commission and subsequently the MMA Unified Rule Set will become changed? Um, they, they just changed the rule for the eye pokes. Um, RJ had the good point with the gloves. Um, I don't know. I, I don't want to give up, but I it, it, it's a absolute crap question for me. I absolutely have nothing. I couldn't even think, begin to understand what they could further change because they just made a huge change in both of the sports with the eye pokes and giving them five minutes like the groin kicks. So that was one of the biggest complaints that I'd heard in the community. They took care of that. I, I don't. Bad question. Wish I had a different question. Understandable. Everybody does have an off night from time to time. Uh, that being said, without a lot to judge here, kind of leaves us in a situation where we don't really have much of a choice. We're going to have to give the point for round five here to our first Grand Prix mover honor, RJ. I would like to say, well played to both of you gentlemen. Appreciate both of you taking time to participate in the pit. We will go back to the regularly scheduled, friendly, nonsensical games of the pit once we complete our Grand Prix. But that being said, that is what we have got for this particular evening. 
please do not forget to tune in next week where the grand pre-contestants will be new. I'm not going to name who they are just yet because you're going to have to tune in to see who it is. It ain't these two. They just competed, so they have to wait for the next round. Two new contestants for the Pit Grand Prix will step up next week. However, this weekend, Saturday night during the UFC stream, as the premier prelim fight goes live right here on this very channel, the Tapology update live stream will be taking place. And then Sunday night, 9.30-ish central time, barring any unforeseen circumstances, what did I say show should be back with a recap for all of your punchy kicky recaps uh do not forget as well tomorrow evening despite the ludicrous weight misses we talked about earlier there is a bellator 286 card kicking off and if you are really hard up for punchy kickies there is a pfl card live from wales saturday at some point i don't remember when um but anything else you gentlemen would like to throw in before we wrap this episode up for the evening you know, the only thing I was disappointed in with the answer there, RJ, is that you didn't specifically talk about a specific type of strike. I'm talking about knees to down opponents. And like, you know, your 12 to 6 is because, you yeah. know, I, that's low hanging fruit because that's never going to change because we watched karate on the news and do this and they were breaking bricks. I don't think that's ever going to fucking change. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, you don't get as much force when you swing your whole body through like you a know, baseball. It's only, it's only yeah. Force. But no, I was. I couldn't come up with anything at all because it was like, what the fuck am I going to say? Uh, change the rule on downed opponents get need? What the fuck? That's what I was hoping for, to be quite honest. But they would never fucking do that. That's it's illegal uh, in one. I, yeah. uh, legal I felt like that was an instant. One hat? No, no. Like, I got nothing. Yeah, no, it's it's legal over in the unified rule set over in Asia. It's only America where they don't allow it. I'm pretty sure it's legal in South America MMA as well. I think America is the only country that doesn't allow strikes to a down or needs to a downed opponent. Yeah. No, uh, 10, 10 to 12, uh, 6 to 12, 12 to 6, rather. 12 to 6 elbow would have been an acceptable answer as well. No, but I, I understand sometimes. As we've seen many times, sometimes the best can freeze up when the moment hits and there's no predicting it. So we it's both, understandable. Live to fit another day. Down that road. I've been That's down right. that road. That fucking name right. nicknames fucking not give us a timer for the whole goddamn thing and then hit us again, <laughs> sucker. That's what I said. The best can freeze up under the light sometimes. You live to pit another day. It's understandable. So that being said. RJ, congratulations on being the first round victor of the Grand Prix. We will wait and see who you will face in the next round as we come through. That being said, all of the links for all of the good shit is down in the description. If you would like to follow any of us, all of our links are down there as well. That being said, if you like what we do around here, please give us a thumbs up and make sure you are subscribed on whatever platform you are consuming this in so you don't miss an episode. On the other side of that coin, if you don't like what we get up to around here, first and foremost, what the fuck are you still doing this deep into a podcast you don't enjoy? Give us a thumbs down and go fuck yourself. We won't even dispute it. That being said, we are going to call it all for this particular episode. So remember, don't let ignorance stop you. You can root for anything. Unless you think presidential pardons apply when you're not president anymore.
Everybody was kung fu fighting. Those kids were fast as lightning. In fact, it was a little bit frightening. How do I say goodbye to what we have? The good time.